Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler here with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said, brought to you tonight by Roar Publishing, from concept to content. Thanks for tuning in. Well, this is a staggering statistic. More than 5 million Canadians are turning to opioids and painkillers as a first step to managing their frustrating daily muscle and joint pain. We're going to discuss Canada's opioid crisis with chiropractic physician Dr. Sapna Shriram and find out effective ways we can manage pain before turning to medication. And also, did you know that one in four Canadians may be affected by liver disease? We are going to be joined by Alicia and Jeff Zabalotny and their almost two-year-old son, Nathan. Now, after seven months after being born, Nathan's health dramatically declined and his liver began to fail. That was in May of 2016. We're going to learn about what happened to him since and the important work the Canadian Liver Foundation is doing to help other families just like this one. Financial expert Renee Ribello has tips on how to increase your cash flow. Musicologist Eric Alper is talking bands who named songs after their own band name. An electric fireside chat with Stylish Fireplace's co-owner Jean Greer. And a live performance by country darling Alessia Cole in our studio sessions. Woo, she's back. She is. And we love it. We're giving away 60,000 IHG Rewards Club points redeemable for a two-night stay at any Holiday Inn or Holiday Inn Express Hotel in Canada. So go to whatshesaidtalk.com to enter. And we have some other contests uh, on, on our page too at, at our website, so you need to check that out. And also we are coming up with some um, holiday gift packs of themed. music CDs. You call themed. Them themed. I call them themed. You are correct. Themed gift packs um, from some of the guests that we've had on books, CDs, other little events. And of course, follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. And don't forget, you can find past full shows for free on Apple Podcasts. Just search What She Said. So don't go anywhere. What She Said will be right back after this short break. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it, to a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. The pillow where you lay your head Now holds my empty dreams instead And it keeps right on a hurting since you go Well, despite better options, more than 5 million Canadians are turning to opioids and painkillers as a first step to managing their frustrating daily muscle and joint pain. Joining us now to discuss Canada's opioid crisis is chiropractic physician Dr. Sapner Shuram. Dr. Sapner, welcome back to What She Said. Thank you for having me again, guys. And congratulations on the new baby. Thank it's not you. so new anymore. He's not so new. He's not so new. Yeah. But since the last time we saw yes, you. Yes, I was quite big. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 
talk about this because I, I was unaware that Canada is actually the second highest consumer of prescription opioids in the world. More than 2,800 opioid-related deaths reported nationwide last year. Yeah. Um, so what are the most common types of pain plaguing Canadians. So, you know, what's what's so astonishing and people don't realize this, even when I read it, like I know how significant it is, but even when you read the statistics, you're just yeah. like, wow, that's crazy. Um, 90% of individuals in Canada last year alone complained of some sort of injury or pain. And that most of the common ones were back pain, neck pain, headaches, knee pain, and shoulder pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are common musculoskeletal injuries and they comprise almost one in three visits that people will seek to their doctor's office or walk-in clinic. So what would be the more effective ways to manage that pain before turning to that level of medication? So, you know, it's interesting to me because a lot of the times with these individuals that are experiencing pain, about 80% of those individuals will turn to pain relieving medication as their first line of defense, be it an over the counter or a prescription opioid um, medication. And I think a lot of it is that people, people just assume I'm in pain, I should take medication. A lot of the times they don't even see their doctor. And then at times once they see their doctor, they're being prescribed because the pain is so intense. And I think, you know, there's a huge misconception about what other first steps could be. And a lot of the times, even just seeing, you know, a, a physical therapist, a chiropractor to actually be assessed and diagnosed and treated can reduce that uh, requirement of pain medication. Has it changed from regular, from, you know, medical doctors mm -hmm. used to not suggest you going to a chiro chiropractor? Yep. My, mine does, mine yep. did, and recommended a, a chiropractor to help with my migraine pain, sure. which was a neck adjustment. Right. So great, but... But a lot of doctors won't recommend chiropractors. Is that changing? I think, I mean, you know, I've worked for 10 years in the field and I've only exclusively worked with family doctors who I have a great relationship with. And I think like anything else, it's about education. It's about evidence. And, you know, the evidence is there that supports that chiropractic, um, you know, interventions can reduce the the cause, the injuries and the effects of the pain that it, it, it plays on a patient. And, you know, by reducing the incidence of pain medication, I think everyone can get on board with that. And I think that, you know, when that education is becoming more at the forefront and doctors right now are feeling complete pressure and stress with patients coming in being in pain, and they need alternative solutions as well. And I think what's really changing right now is, you know, the fact that physicians also realize that medication, it's a Band-Aid effect. And we can mm -hmm. look at other options that are more conservative and that are alternative to help these patients with managing their acute and chronic pain. Since we've heard all these stats about these opioid-related deaths, and there's mm -hmm. a huge conversation going on about why are we prescribing this uh, <sighs> Have you noticed a change in more people being referred to you uh, and more doctors having a conversation about that, that they really don't want to prescribe this unless absolutely necessary? Well, I see all mixes of patients. You know what? I see a lot of the patients that have ignored their symptoms or just, you know, use pain medication as a Band-Aid and then, you know, boom, they're in chronic states. And at this point, they're fed up and their doctors want them off pain medications. I've also seen, you know, patients that have the education and are told by a doctor before I do anything, go see a chiropractor or physiotherapist and get treated first and then let's reassess in a week or two and see what our options are. And I've had the patients that actually do both simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Is there a cost uh, involved that is the barrier to them to, to, to people going and seeking Absolute, other treatments? Absolutely. I think cost is always going to be a barrier. You know, we are one of the you know leading countries with the best healthcare system. But, you know, unfortunately, things like physiotherapy, massage, chiropractic, it's 
not traditionally covered by OHIP anymore. Um, but that being said, a lot of private insurances do have some sort of coverage available to you. And more importantly, too, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, when you look at the cost of paying for prescription medication, that's a cost as well. And if you don't have insurance to cover that, then you don't have insurance to cover your treatments either. So when people really look at it, if you're paying, if you're getting your drugs covered, you more than likely have some sort of coverage for your physical therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what that cap is, you know, I don't know. But what's great is that most physical therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, they'll work within your budget. They'll give you a lot of home care. They'll give you access to free resources online so that you can do rehab and treatment or exercises at home. And I think that's what's really important. And so when someone comes to me having a, a, bar- a barrier such as cost, I always try to help them to the best of my ability so that they can get themselves out of pain or manage their pain better without having to constantly just rely on pain meds. Now, a report by the Canadian Chiropractic Association for World Spine Day also, as well as finding that women are more likely than men to suffer from and get help with all the things you said, headaches, neck, upper Mm -hmm. back and hip pain. They also um, uncovered regional trends. So Albertans rank the highest for opioid use and suffer the most from headaches, while British Columbians are least likely to use opioids and rank highest for sitting longer than 12 hours Per day, which like, is really interesting because yeah. I would think Toronto, like Torontonians, would sit the longest, given you know that we have the crazy you know financial district and everyone that has these crazy sitting jobs. So I find that interesting because yeah. most, most people in Vancouver are active, right? They've got the great weather, they're out more, they're a lot more active well, in general. Yeah, I mean it's sort of the story, you know, right? British Columbians are out hiking and yes. surfing and so doing I did all kinds actually find that statistic mm-hmm. quite yeah. interesting, and I was like, hmm, I what's with they... the headaches in Alberta? Is that uh, is that <laughs> is that barometric pressure? Maybe I wonder. You you know what? I'm not too sure. But, you know, when you hear these statistics, like I'm so sheltered, I treat people here in, you know, Toronto. And so I'm, I'm so astute to what's going on in my region. But when I see these statistics, I always wonder that, you know, maybe it's part of their job. Maybe it's part of, you know, the environment, the climate. Who knows? But it's always very interesting. Um, or maybe it's the types of individuals that seek care. Are maybe Why do you, you think know? women are more likely to than men to suffer from these pains? Well, you know, I think women are more likely to do something about their pain. They're more likely to report it. They're more likely to see their doctor about it. And so when you look at the actual, you know, and, and women, a lot of the times, they're, just, they're the decision maker in the family. How often do you hear about a guy that comes in being like, I am only here to see you because my wife told me that mm-hmm. I need to see you. So, you know, a lot of the times I think that there's a huge, you know, implication where you're thinking maybe it's just the men not reporting it. Maybe it's the men not actually, you know, mm-hmm. um, saying that they have issues or, or any injuries when in reality, once you start treating them and you see these patients come in, they're no different. You, you see men and women equally with the same types of injuries. There's a sign at my chiropractor's office that, <laughs> that says, you know, I thought it would go away. Right. I thought it would get better. Right. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. And one of the biggest things I always educate everybody on my entire, you know, my entire mindset is so integrative and it's all about, you know, being aware. And I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that pain is a signal. It's there to tell you something's wrong. When the signal goes away, one of the biggest things that people think is that, well, my pain went away, so I'm all better. A lot of the times these injuries, most injuries, 99% of the time will return if you didn't actually Mm -hmm. rehabilitate it and treat it appropriately the first time. So even though the pain is gone, doesn't necessarily mean the injury is gone. And I think that's one of the biggest things that really ends up, you know, creating the cyclical pattern where patients will be like, I threw my back out again. I threw my back out again, or my shoulder's still bothering me, or I have another headache. And I think, again, it's always that it always comes back to people just think that pain equals injury, no pain equals recovery. And that is the biggest misconception that we see every single day. With every patient population, including athletes. So what is the answer? Is, I mean, 
do we need a more integrated yes. approach to yes. manage pain? Absolutely. I think a team-based approach is what's going to be the most financially, you know, cost-saving for any patient with or without insurance. I think it's going to, you know, increase patient outcomes. Because of, at this point, when you have a team, you have solutions. You have not one person managing your symptoms, but you have a team of people. And that team can talk to each other, can communicate, and you can actually you know, come up with solutions that are more individualistic. Because a lot of the times, what's going to work for you is not going to work for somebody else, even if your injuries are the same. But there, there must be people who need opioids. Of course. And I don't think the I don't think the solution here is to say how do we eradicate the use of opioids, but I think what's what we're trying to do is say how many of these people actually validly need opioids as their for first how long? line of defense exactly and for how long because the reality is is that the majority of those that take opioids will become dependent mm-hmm. and will assume that that's what they need to get better. When in reality, we know it's a band-aid. A daughter's uh, one of my daughter's boyfriends um, hurt his hand, broke his mm-hmm. hand, um, and left the hospital with a prescription for twenty-four oxycontin. Wow! I'm like, wow, throw them away. Wow! And yeah. we'll just try some Tylenol three for a couple of days, right? Which is what he took, and right. then everything was fine. Right. And you know, and then you throw in when you have better, you know, ability to cope with the pain, you throw in some physical therapy, some chiropractic care, whatever it is that you need at that time. And you know, a lot of patients see a faster recovery, they see less reliance on medication. Mm-hmm. And in general, you don't have to worry with the side effects of what comes with those meds because it's not really treating the injury, and we know that. Now, people can learn more by visiting chiropractic.ca. Yes. And where can they find you? And they can find me by visiting drsapna.com. Ah. <laughs> think about that for a second. <laughs> drsapna.com. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks this for evening. having me, ladies. This is what she said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Saturday night at the movies, don't know what picture to see? And Brody's got you covered. Did you like the film? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, that no. does I love your honesty. <laughs> Films about paranoia, I think they do us a lot of good. Because it's not happening to us. <laughs> I took your mom, Romy, who loves a good film. We laughed our socks off. I was so bored watching it. <laughs> a film critic who shoots straight from the hip. Saturdays on What She Said Talk. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com.
What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. Welcome back. Well, the weather is certainly chilly these days. It has turned, and sometimes you don't want to turn the furnace right up. But if you're sitting around reading a book, watching TV, you would like a little bit of warmth. So, if you don't have a chimney or simply want to avoid the hassle of a wood-burning or gas fireplace, have you thought about getting an electric one? Joining us now is the co-owner of Stylish Fireplaces, Jean Greer, who's been designing homes and offices around fireplaces for more than 20 years in Toronto and the York region. Welcome to what she said, Jean. Thank you. It's nice to be here. My first question is, I always was brought up thinking that electric fireplaces were way more expensive Mm -hmm. to run. So tell us what the benefits are and if that's actually true. Okay, well, that's a great question because we answer that question probably a hundred times a day in our (laughs) showroom. So we're getting pretty good at that one and uh, we certainly don't take offense to it. But um, electric fireplaces are these days mostly LED lighting. So the flame effect is a bit of an illusion that's created with LEDs. So you can imagine that's pretty energy efficient. So versus a gas fireplace or a wood fireplace where you're burning fuel, and you've got to burn a lot of fuel to create a flame that looks pretty. So there's a lot of waste involved in the energy in burning those fires. So in electric, it's mostly light effects. The lights are LED, so very little energy. The only time you're using any power really is if you've got the heater on. And with electric, you don't have to have the heater on to have the flames on. So that's Ah. what makes them more efficient and less expensive than gas. So we like to tell people that at current rates, and and we redo the math every once in a while, um, you probably spend about $100 over the course of a year to run an electric fireplace, and I can run an electric fireplace every day. So uh, versus a gas fireplace where I've got to wait till it's pretty cold to run a gas fireplace, and it's still going to cost me about double, about $200 a year. So it's not, it's the opposite of heating our house. It's not what people expect, mm-hmm. um, which is why there's that misconception about the cost of it being so much more. And it's really not. We have one in my, uh, my daughter has a room, a bedroom in the basement mm-hmm. and we have radiators. So generally gas fueled radiators. So it's hard to keep the balance going, but she has that electric fireplace going Pretty much 24-7. I feel like I'm walking into a sauna down right. there. And yeah. I have not noticed uh, a huge increase in in the bills. But then I notice them go up every time my children come home. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's the water bill. I don't know about yours, but those yeah. showers are pretty long. Yeah. They, are. they are. Well, you're an expert in electric fireplaces and are actually celebrating the first anniversary of your showroom in Vaughan. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So, 
How did you get started and, and, and how come you're so passionate about this? Yeah, I'm a bit of an electric evangelist, I say. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we started in the fireplace business about 15 years ago. And at that time, we were about five years into our design business, which I've run, obviously, for over 20 years now. Um, and we got introduced to electric fireplaces by one of my furniture reps. He was repping this line of electric fireplaces and somehow they caught my interest. And I think I was doing a trade show somewhere and we put a little electric in the booth just to complete the vignette we had going there. It was supposed to be about design, not about the fireplace. We had more questions about the <laughs> silly little electric fireplace that was burning in the middle of our booth. Maybe because it was cold outside, I don't know. Yeah. And that sort of you know stuck with me. And when he came along and said, oh, I've got this neat line of fireplaces, you should have a look. Um, and then we happened to be opening a small showroom in Markham at that time. And we thought, why don't we put a few in and see what happens? And, you know, fast forward 15 years, and we now have made that our primary business, and thus the move to Vaughn. Um, we've opened a much bigger showroom. We've got 50 fireplaces on display, all electric. We've got over 20 vignettes on the wall. I mean, the move was really about being able to show somebody beautiful fireplaces in complete settings so that they can... People can't really picture, you know, as yeah. a designer, I can picture what something's going to look like. The average person can't do that. Well, yeah. on that, I was looking at some of the pictures on, on your website, and I noticed that we're not necessarily talking about a, what one would traditionally think of as a fireplace with a mantle. You have one that's um, like a wall, like the fireplace has been taken out, and it's, it's almost like a wall of um, black material with mm -hmm. with a fireplace insert in it so it makes it like the whole entire feature of, of the room right and we really focus on the design aspect uh, with the fireplaces and electric really lends itself to that because there are no design limitations I don't have any there's nothing burning inside like there is with gas or wood so I don't have any clearance issues I can put any material I want on the wall right up to the fireplace and my background being in design, we really uh, leverage that and focus on that in our showroom and in everything that we do. That People come to us because they know we're going to look beyond the firebox. We're going to look mm -hmm. at what's going on in the rest of the room. You know, we'll help them design a really spectacular wall uh, with you know, anything they need to complete mm -hmm. the room. Now, there's yeah. a question here that, that, that I'm, I mean, it says, are they easy to clean and maintain? And I better ask this question because I've never done anything with the fireplace yeah. that's in my daughter's <laughs> room, and maybe I should be. There's nothing to do. Oh, well, there you go. I I'm mean, safe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to have to clean the gla glass, glass yeah, once in a while, but it is, it's just glass. It's just Windex or whatever you use to clean your glass. So yeah. there's really no maintenance. I mean, those LED lights, once upon a time when we first got in the business, there were incandescent light bulbs inside mm -hmm. so eventually those would burn out and we would have to show people how to change those there's nothing anymore it's led there's really nothing for us to do so, mm. so i basically yeah. clean the glass and, and dust off the top we ha it's not set into the wall because yeah. it was a brick brick right brick wall in the, in the basement yeah. so it sits in front but that's the other thing i mean you can fit them into an existing fireplace or you can mount them as you said no clearance issues right on the outside of the wall. Exactly, yeah. So they can go anywhere. So we can retrofit 
somebody's old, ugly, wood-burning fireplace, which we all, we have a lot of those up where we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the brick that nobody wants to look at anymore, the ugly uh, arched openings or whatever. So we can retrofit into those. Um, there are inserts available for that. But really, they can go anywhere that we can get power, we can put an electric fireplace. So if we can't go in the wall, like in a condo mm-hmm. where we're faced with concrete and somebody wants a fireplace... We have solutions for that where we can help them mount it on the wall, um, but still create something attractive around it. Mm-hmm. What if you want to convert your gas fireplace to electric? Can you do that? That's my favorite thing. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> we love converting people from gas to electric. Um, obviously, gas is pretty popular. We all, you know, we like to heat our houses with gas, and people mm-hmm. still look to gas fireplaces. Um, but it's so easy to convert from gas to electric. I mean, we just have the gas capped by a professional and uh, remove the fireplace, put in better electrical, and off we go. Let me ask you, uh, we've talked about the cost being being attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about the ease of installing them, uh, that they're very adaptable. You can get almost anything for anywhere. Um, what are the other benefits? Are they safer if you have small children, let's say, than a, than a, than a yeah. normal fireplace or a, a traditional or a gas one? For sure. Um, Even when the heaters are on, the glass on the electric fireplace isn't going to get hot. So we love them with families. Some some of us are living with extended families, older uh, members of the family. Anybody who would accidentally touch or not understand that glass could be hot on a gas fireplace, Mm -hmm. they're not going to burn themselves on an electric Right. Okay. So, so then now you're offering our listeners that um, save the tax on any fireplace for that, sure that, that just, they get. Yeah. That's very nice of you. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering before they visit the stylish fireplaces showroom, can they do anything prep work ahead of time to help you out? Absolutely. Out? I mean, everybody has a smartphone now, so we love to see pictures of where you want to put the fireplace. If we're retrofitting around something else or into an existing opening, bring us some measurements. Give us an overall size of the room um, so we can have a sense of what's the appropriate Mm -hmm. size that's going to look good. If there's a TV going above, we really need to know that. And we want to know how big the TV is so we can balance things out and make sure the fireplace looks balanced with the TV. Um, Colors, finishes, anything they can bring us um, is helpful. Give us a quick cost uh Range from to, uh, I can retrofit for two ninety nine, and we have big eight foot and ten foot units that are closer to three thousand dollars. So it's a huge range. Huge range. Yeah. Now we'll tell everyone what your website is so they can check it out. It's stylishfireplaces.ca. And where are you located? The showroom. We're at eighty three zero one Jane Street, Unit Nine in Concord, so north of Seven, mm-hmm. south of Langstaff, in Renovation Row. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Perfect place to be. Yeah. Um, and and again, uh, tax free for our what she said uh, followers, and listeners. Thank you very much for coming in and oh my pleasure us about stylish fireplaces and they sound stylish. They do. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she said. We'll be right back. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it, to a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. 
Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Welcome back. Joining us now is musicologist Eric Alper for On the Record, brought to you by Roar Records. And tonight we're talking about naming a song after your band. Right, because sometimes it falls into two camps. If you are a band and you name not only a song from your album that's named after you, is that egotistical? Is that okay? Because the next thing you know, eh, you might think of it as this is a statement. This is who we are. This Mm -hmm. is us. But then the next thing you know, they're going to want creative control. They're going to want buses. They're going to want money. And you just can't have that in the music industry. And I jest about that part. But yeah, that's Motorhead. And they actually named not only their song after themselves, but the album. Um, This is a band that the lead singer Lemmy said that if Motorhead moves into the house next to you, your Mm -hmm. lawn will die. (laughs) I love that. One of the best lines about any band. So there you go. There's Motorhead by Motorhead from the album Motorhead. And we're going to be talking about bands that name a song after themselves. With my tail in the air Straight can't strut I'm a ladies cat I'm a feeling Casanova Hey man, that's that Get a shoe thrown at me From a mean old man Get my dinner from a garbage can <laughs> Straight cat's Great Cat Strut single-handedly bringing the rockabilly music back onto the charts in the 80s with Stray Cat Strut by the Stray Cats. And if you remember the video, do you remember the video? They were playing in an alleyway when the neighbors were throwing trash at them. I wonder if that was autobiographical. I don't watch videos anymore. No, okay. All right. I but, I that, did, but that I did then because uh, they, they were cool. Then. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and that is, of course, the Stray Cats with Stray Cats Strut hitting the top 10 back in 1981.
name all the new kids on the block? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Jordan. They're old men. No. Unanimous. Uh, Jordan, yeah. Jonathan, Joey, Donnie, and Danny. That was the new kids on the block with their song New Kids on the Block from the album New Kids on the Block. And in fact, New Kids on the Block bombed when it first came out. It did nothing on the charts and didn't break them in America. And in fact, the record label wanted to drop them because they just didn't believe that this teen band was going to be big. Maurice Starr, who put the band together, believed in the guy so much that he almost paid entirely for the second album himself. And that is where Hanging Tough, the album, broke through worldwide. And they broke up a number of years later, but they're back together, still touring, still selling out arenas as new kids on the block. I'm not expecting to grow flowers in the desert But I can look and breathe and see the sun in In a Big Country by Big Country, the Scottish rock band that broke big all around the world, including cracking the top 20 on the Billboard Hot 100 back in 1983. And the country that did the best when it came to that song, well, that would be Canada. It hit Aww. number three right here because we are a big country too with 9.985 million kilometers squared. Un- unlike Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Go where we want to Do what we like to do We don't have time to get restless There's always something new Hey, hey, we're the monkeys And people say we monkey around The way to place is singing To put anybody down We're just trying to be friendly not only did the monkeys call themselves the monkeys, but they had a theme song. And that is the monkeys theme song, Hey Hey, We're the Monkeys. So here's a question for you. How long do you think the monkeys TV show lasted? Oh my goodness. And I grew up in England then and I was watching it. I I don't think it I would have said one or two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. Isn't that amazing mm-hmm. that this popular band that we're still talking about today? Only lasted two seasons. The program ended on Labor Day 1968 for the second season, but received a very long afterlife through Mm -hmm. Saturday morning repeats on CBS and ABC, as well as overseas broadcasts. And it later enjoyed a 1980s revival after MTV re-aired the program (laughs) in 1986. That still astounds me that almost 50 years later, we're still talking about this group that lasted just two years on the television. And those are bands that named themselves... Named the song after themselves. Ah. Are you going to come out with a song? I am. I am. It's called Hey, Hey, I'm Eric Alper. (laughs) And people say I'm monking around, (laughs) but I'm too busy singing and talking on the jewel to put anybody down. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. And we will talk to you or you can sing to us next week. Absolutely. On the Record is brought to you by Roar Records. Download Rise by Elise Saunders based on the heroic story of Pan Am medalist and Olympian, Jessica Phoenix. Well, under-
Understanding your cash flow is all about knowing where your money comes from and, of course, where it's going. So joining us tonight is Renee Rebello from Life Coach Financial Services with five ways that we can increase our cash flow today and doesn't involve stealing coins from the uh, the coin jar? <laughs> well, it could, but that's not one of my five points. We only have five today. And okay. <laughs> we need to make them actionable and things that people can do today. One of the biggest things, no matter where you are in your phase of life, is worrying about where you're spending your money. Everyone always says, I have more month than I have money at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if we can try to find some of those little leaks and patch them up, then you can actually have more money than month. That would be a good thing. So great. how can we start? Okay, Where do so we start? I have five tips that people can implement today and start okay. looking into. And of course, the first one, when I say it, everyone's going to be like, oh, yes. It's consolidate your debts. So, you know, look at all your debts. Look at your credit cards. Look at your loans. Look at your mortgage, your lines of credits. And consolidate them. Look at those interest rates. Look how much interest you're paying per month and not just in your actual charges, but in the actual cash flow. If you added up all the payments that you're making on those multiple items, it'll be a substantial amount of money. If you consolidate them into one item, no matter what that item happens to be, just look at the rate, you'll lower your monthly cash flow. So it will help you reduce your cash payments. Um, And the other thing is the mortgage rates and the mortgage rules are changing in January. So if you've thought about doing it, do it now because the bank is changing all the lending rules come January 1st, 2018. So this is the time to definitely look at uh, that option. So the lending rules would mean that you would probably have to pay down some because you need to have a greater investment? Well, the lending rules make it harder to borrow the money. Okay. So if but if you looking, already have a mortgage? Well, then if you're still looking, if you already have a mortgage and you're looking to, to consolidate renew. some of these things into it, you have to qualify under the new rules after January 1st. The other thing I've been told too is, for example, if you have credit card debt, but you have a credit line at maybe three and a half percent, it might be a good idea to pay off the credit card and put it on that. Absolutely. You definitely want to look at the interest rates on all your items that you owe money on. So for example, um, you know, if you have a car loan at zero percent, you're not going to put it on a line of credit at three. No. But if you have a credit card at 12.99 or 19.99, which is not only compound interest, but it's also a higher rate, then definitely add it onto your line of credit and and get that interest rate down. It'll save you in your interest charges. It'll also help you in your monthly cash flow out to pay these monthly. Okay, next tip. So next tip is to go through your monthly bills. You know what? Take a minute, go through your bank account statement and take a peek at what's coming out of your account and your credit cards, by the way. You never know what's being charged Mm -hmm. every month. Cancel the gym membership if you're not going. We're all very optimistic in January. Did that. And by September, we've forgotten. You know, get in there. Are you using Netflix? Great. Then look at your Kojiko or your cable bill and take a peek. Maybe you need to shy back on some of those services. Um, Look at magazine subscriptions, any kind of memberships. And for people who are single like me, if you've got a match or any kind of dating website uh, subscription that you're not using, cancel it because there's free ones out there. Just remember if you're using free to have thick skin because there's <laughs> you get what you pay for sometimes. Yeah. So just remember that. So that was my tip number two. <laughs> Okay, and so tip number three? Tip number three is actually around home and car insurance. So look at your policies, visit with your broker, and Mm -hmm. take a peek at them and find ways that you can change 
the payments that you make per month. Something as simple as raising your deductible. So most people have $300. Why do they have it? They don't know, just because they always have. But if you raise it to $1,000, which most people won't make a claim anymore if it's less than $1,000, you'll substantially save in your premium annually and monthly. So take a peek at those policies and see what you have. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know our deductible is at $1,000 because the tree branch that fell on the pergola it wasn't worth (laughs) (laughs) poor little pergola Uh, didn't stand a chance but yeah I'll just have to wait for spring for a new one because I wasn't going to claim for it on the insurance no exactly if it's under a thousand dollars most won't so put the deductible up Mm-hmm. Next tip. So um, the other thing is basically our social lives. So eating out with friends and um, doing things with, with our family and friends. And look for ways that you can do it for free. Eating out is a huge expense per month on a cash flow. I was going to say that. I'm yes. single. So I end up going, you know, to cook for one person. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm like, single too. Yeah. It is like, you know, so I end up going with another single friend and grabbing a bite. And well, I, I usually... Up- I usually find married friends and say, hey, what are you doing? Can I come for dinner? (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Last tip because we've got something else to talk about. Oh, yes. Um, So the last tip is change the withholding tax on your paychecks. So your employer takes an amount off for tax each year. Mm -hmm. If you're getting a refund every year on your taxes, then you probably need to change the withholding amount that the employer is holding. And instead of letting the government hold that money for the whole year until you get it in April – then use that money to save in a tax-free savings account. And I actually have a high-interest savings 2.25 available for my clients. So if anyone's interested in getting that rate, they can like my Facebook page, and I will extend that offer to them. So when you actually save on that, you're actually saving for yourself. Okay, now you have an event coming up, Savvy Living for Women event. That's on Thursday, November 16th at 6 p.m. It's an evening of education, pampering, and socializing for women only and tickets are $25 and they can learn more about that at SavvyLivin.ca. That's correct. And they can get all the information. And if they go to the annual events tab on that website, then it'll give you the rundown on what they can expect from the firefighters to the wine, to the martinis, to the apps, to the speakers. Oh, we're in. And and the comedian. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a fun night for girls. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Thank you so much for having me. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Feeding the family got you frantic? As feeding two teenage boys, I mean, at the end of the week, that's all I really want to do is save some money on my groceries. Is your fridge ever actually full? Oh, my, no. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that comes to a radio interview with a cooler. Not only was it so much fun, but it was super easy. And even my kids, when we cut into it last night, they even looked at it and they were like, Mom, you made this? I think you can do this in your sleep. Wholesome, on-budget fixes from foodie Charmaine Broughton on What She Said Talk.
And now, more women-positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. If you got a problem, don't care what it is. If you need a hand, I can assure you this. I can help. I got two strong We know that liver disease can strike anyone at any time, including infants, only a few weeks, even days old. Joining us now are Alicia and Justin Zabalotny and their almost two-year-old son, Nathan. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having us. Now, Nathan was born on November 15th, 2015. And like most babies during the first few days after birth, I know mine were certainly, that was the case with them, Nathan was quite jaundiced. Tell us what happened after he was first treated with phototherapy. He was first treated with phototherapy just a couple days after birth. And um, I noticed over the next two weeks, he was still increasingly jaundice. I was taking him into every light in the house to try and see if it was just me seeing yellow or if he actually was. Um, And I took him back to the family doctor over and over again. And they sent us home and said that he was fine. And it was common to take a few days to fade away. And finally, when I saw his eyes start to go yellow, I said, we have to take him to the hospital. So they retested the bilirubin and it had gone through the roof. And he, what was he diagnosed with? With biliary atresia. And what is that? We were told that it was a disconnection of the liver. So without um, a escape for bile and any toxins from the liver, the liver becomes diseased and begins to fail. So it seems that at five weeks old... Um, very young. Nathan had a Kasai procedure. Take us through that. He did. Um, it, we were told that it was a procedure to take the intestine and hook it into the liver to allow for temporary drainage. Mm-hmm. So we were told that there was a 50-50 shot that maybe he would need transplant or maybe the Kasai could last for the next 50 years. So in our case, we ended up, it ended up taking us to transplant at seven months old. Well, yeah, in May of 2016, he, yes. he had declined so, his whole health had declined so dramatically. Uh, did the liver actually begin to fail? It did. It did. Um, one weekend, um, he was doing quite well. I mean, they thought it was partially working. And then one weekend, I woke up and he was laying next to me and he was green. And I took him into the hospital and the Billy Rubin, I believe, was 284 and normal. Oh. Yeah, normal is between zero and 15, so... They sent us right to Toronto at Sick Kids, and we were under assessment. They didn't let us go home from there. Now, you Nathan, Nathan you, you, you're, you're not happy. We gave you, we gave you, we gave you little uh, chewy, healthy from our nutritionist bowls, and, and, you're, and you're still not, not happy about it. But, Justin, tell us, what was your reaction to everything that's going on? You must have been sort of blindsided by it. It was, it was, it was hard to take in. It was, it was a rough, rough few months, rough year. Um, we, when we actually had the transplant, because Alicia was the donor. And how did was, you feel about that? Your wife being the living liver. liver it was donor. tough. Like the day of the surgery. I mean, luckily we had lots of family support mm-hmm. with us in Toronto, because she was at Toronto General and he was across the street at, at uh, Sick Kids. Mm-hmm. So we had to kind of. I was running back and forth all day to get updates from different doctors, because we were in from in surgery from like seven in the morning till I think he didn't get out till eight o'clock that night. So between the two of them, it was a full day of surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough. Luckily, we had lots of family down with us, and mm-hmm. they stayed at each hospital, and I was able to kind of run back and forth, but it was definitely tough. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understand that the liver is the second most transplanted organ. And yet there are very few donor organs available. Many Canadians who are on the waiting list die each and every year. And now, thankfully, Nathan had you. How's he doing today? He's doing fabulous. He, he bounced back really quickly. Within a week, his color went from yellow to pink almost immediately. It was wonderful to see. I got to see him at about day two after surgery. I made my way over yeah. to the hospital. They wheeled me over in a wheelchair, and I couldn't believe it. What a beautiful moment. So, the, so since he, his body absorbed, uh, absorbed that liver, or I don't know what the term is, Yes, um, didn't reject yeah, it right. uh, because that sometimes happens, uh, he's sort of good to go now for the rest of his life, right? We hope so. Their goal is to do it in one shot and to hope that we never have to revisit it again. And, Unfortunately, sometimes we do, um, and we'll cross that path when we come to it if we ever got forbid. He'll be on meds for life to prevent it from rejecting. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Make sure, make sure it doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. and how about you? How are you feeling? Because I I'm know it's a good. very <laughs> tough procedure on anyone. It's rough. It's They, they say it's difficult um, for kidney and liver donors. You can definitely tell that you've lost something um, mm-hmm. and could tell that he gained something. So it took me a while and to get back to feeling like my new normal, and, and you do go back to feeling normal. Now, you said that the Canadian Liver Foundation played a key role in all of this. Tell us about their help, what they did. They did. Without the liver research that we have today, we still have so much more research to do. Um, We would never have been able to even know about living donors, or Mm -hmm. I never would have been able to have this option, and and we might not have had as happy ending as what we did. Yeah. Hmm. So they they just had a, uh, the gala, the 16th Liver Right Fundraising Gala that raises funds for the research, education, and support programs. And the theme was um, bringing Toronto together to beat the odds, which mm-hmm. you just said that Nathan definitely did. Oh, yeah. just did, yep. Um, so now the, their events raise over three quarters of a million dollars. What... What do you think the importance of the work is, the key importance to you? Is it the research or is it the support? I think both. I think it's the research, the the funding for the research. That's why donations are so important to discover and be able to prevent and ultimately treat liver disease. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge problem. <laughs> this, this guy does not look like he's no. ever been sick a day in his life. <laughs> And that's a wonderful sight. Days after surgery, he's sitting there like trying to eat his toes and his stomach was still partly like open from the surgery. It has to be either terrible twos or we're Uh, catching up. We keep saying he's catching up, (laughs) making up for lost time. Now, both of you must have had many conversations with both uh, professionals and other families. And so what would your hope be in terms of the steps that we need to or you would like us to get to in terms of... uh, dealing with liver disease? I would like there, starting with resources, I'd love there to be funding and research so that ultimately we can look online and see that our next steps and where we're heading and what the Canadian Liver Foundation is doing to to support families. And and without that, we, we look online and we see inaccurate information and um, it's scary. Like even on the Facebook pages and stuff like that, we just need the resources that are accurate and trustworthy. Yeah. But do you think that there is a reluctance among people to offer an organ? Because I almost, uh, I was on a, a list to donate a part of my liver to my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and my doctor was very so-so about it because she said at my age and whatever, it would take five to mm-hmm. ten years off my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I can tell you that there there is, and it's scary. Um, and the Sick Kids in Toronto General Transplant Program really goes above and beyond to make sure that you feel comfortable and aware of what you're doing. Um, for me, it was my son, so it was the easiest easiest decision I've ever exactly. had to make. Exactly, and for me, <laughs> it, it would, was my sister, yes. so I would have. It know? was rough, but it's it was totally worth it. And to see him now, and he's living life, and he's not missing out on anything. So. I think when I hear about people who are anonymous donors that go in and donate an organ, I'm mm. kind of in disbelief because how strong they are, because I don't know if if I would do that before I knew about liver disease and how many people, I believe there was 500 people on the list and a bunch of them children that were never going to be able to get an organ. We need people to sign yes. those cards. Yes. And it's hard really because do. the doctors, they know what's wrong with these children and adults. They know what they need and they just don't have the resources to get them what they need. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And I think there should be maybe more education for donors there should. about mm-hmm. what the age parameters are, yes. whether you need to be, whether it's so dependent on genetics or not so dependent on genetics. Yes. You know, We know a lot of families, actually, you would think as a mother that you would be an automatic match. But it's, not. that's not the case at all. So uh, lots. We were of... really lucky that she was a match, and the yeah. first match that was tested, and it all worked out really yeah. well. For they us. told us to have ten people, and I was the first person to be tested, and we only had two weeks to be tested because he was declining so quickly. Oh. And they tested me in four days, and they called me, and after a few little flips, and said that I was a match. So, would you? Ha- how how much older is Logan? Logan is five. Is five. Yes. And how did he cope with everything that was going on with this? He was a rock star. <laughs> he was wonderful. <laughs> he was back and forth between Ronald McDonald House with us, um, and then which was lovely, and then at home with my mother-in-law for a few days. And he would sit at the hospital for countless hours and lots of Paw Patrol. And <laughs> he was he was really good. That's well, thank good. you all for sharing your story with us. And I think that it gives a lot of hope to other people that it sounds. But you worked through it. You worked yes. through it step yes. by step, and now there's a happy ending. And there can yep. be a happy ending if, as Kate says, more donors step up and and we find <laughs> out more about it. Yes. Um, and sure. you can get more information online at liver.ca. Yes. Right. We're also having the liver stroll in Toronto on June 2nd. Um, so okay. more, more details will be available soon on the liver.ca website. Great. Thank you very much for, for coming in and telling us all about it. And thanks, Nathan. <laughs> we'll, give you, we'll give you an 8 out of 10. Yeah. give you an 8 out of 10 and another no sugar bowl. Yes. <laughs> this is what she said. We'll be right back. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it, to a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and eBooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Centre is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270.
What She Said is more than a radio show. Connect with us online at whatshesaidtalk.com where you can watch full interviews and quick cuts if you're in a rush, enter big giveaways, read articles from our guest experts, and so much more. Join the conversation on social media at What She Said Talk. And don't forget, if you miss a show, you can catch up on our free Apple podcast. Subscribe and new episodes will automatically download to your device like magic. And now, more women positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. What you're listening to is Wild, the new single by a city girl with a country heart. Please welcome Alessia Cole back to what she said. Hello. Thank you for having me back. This is the third time you've been on the show. And besides demoing in Toronto, writing in Austin and Nashville, festival dates, a Western Canadian tour, participating in Via Rail's Artists on Board program, you have a new EP. So tell us about it. I do. The new EP called Wild-Eyed Wanderer uh, is exclusively on Spotify right now, comes out every Everywhere November 3rd, which is very exciting for me, all digital platforms. Uh, yeah, we just got back from the West Coast on the Via Rail Artists on Board, and it's such a fabulous experience. So what's the story behind the name Wild-Eyed Wanderer? It's a lyric from the song Wild, and the lyric okay. is, I'm a wild-eyed wanderer stumbling to my dreams. And uh, I very much am a wild-eyed wanderer. I like to travel, love to explore new places, explore more of myself, and I just thought it was fitting for, for this record. So for people who don't know, and I can't imagine there are too many of them, <laughs> but uh, how did you get started? I have I come from a very musical family, so I got started playing with my dad and my grandfather in their bands from like when I was eight, wow. singing at festivals with them. And uh, I just, you know, I did musicals and went to school for music, literally have done nothing else. My whole life. <laughs> well, the school from you, it was Berkeley College in mm-hmm. Spain, right? That's right. So, so you were around other musicians from all over the world with different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. What a fabulous experience. Honestly, I can't say anything negative about that experience. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I got to meet some of my favorite people there, um, work with some incredible musicians, play with some of the most incredible, incredible musicians, and just learn and just soak it all in. Mm-hmm. So I hate to ask, but what's next for you? <laughs> because I can tell that you've had three hours sleep in the past year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, what's next is promoting Wild-Eyed Wanderer, mm-hmm. uh, playing some more shows. We're playing at Indie Week November 9th at Supermarket downtown, 9 o'clock, um, with the M88 showcase, and which we're really excited about, and just more shows and more gigs. So where can people find the EP? So where can f- people find the EP now? It is available on all digital platforms, uh, iTunes, Spotify, my website as well. And your website is? AlessiaCole.com. All right. Well, Alessia Cole, best of luck with the EP. And thank, thank you. you for joining us. Thanks for um, me. We have Greg Keys also in studio mm-hmm. accompanying you. That is it for What She Said this weekend. Don't forget to find us online, WhatSheSaidTalk.com. All our social is at WhatSheSaidTalk. But singing us out now, here are Alessia Cole, accompanied by Greg Keys, performing Wonderlust.
got time to take it nice and slow Got a hunger down inside that won't let me go A little change in my pocket and a need to feed my soul In a groove and I can't stop it, gonna roll with the flow Want to lust deep in my bones Feel the rush I've never known Diesel and dash is kicking it up Embrace the great unknown Of wanderlust, yeah. Open road, oh, it's a wild ride. Breathe in the freedom of the western skies. Don't know where I'm going, but I'll know when I arrive. It's the thrill of letting go that makes me feel alive. Wanderlust, deep in my bones. Feel the rush I've never known Diesel and dash is kicking it up Embrace the great unknown I can't get enough Of wanderlust mm, Of wanderlust yeah. If you wanna come along It'll blow your mind Trust in new beginnings with a hopeful heart Maybe along the way we'll find The destiny and destination aren't that far apart yeah. Wanderlust deep in my bones Kicking it up, embrace the great unknown. I can't get enough of wanderlust. Mm, of wanderlust. Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. 
Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.